Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and even when I'm in a grumpy mood, I still sometimes like to give sex advice. Just a weird thing about me. Who are you, friend? I'm Billy Lore. I'm a sex educator and porn maker. Uh, I also like giving sex advice, and I'm also a grumpy, stressed guy. <laughs> yeah, we both had one of those weeks where it was like fuck everything, everything's annoying and everything sucks. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what topic can I prep for the show that would be light and not aggravating or exhausting? <laughs> and, uh, and you went to I... Reddit for not <laughs> aggravating? <laughs> well, the thing about Reddit is it's such a mixed bag. And like, yeah, there's some heavy stuff on Reddit for sure. But also... Mm-hmm. There's questions on the sex subreddit that are like thought provoking or silly or uh, I don't know, just really interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited to discuss some of these with you. Some of them are advicey questions and some are just more like, what do you think about this? <laughs> Love this for us. Can't wait to can't wait to dig in. I definitely read all of these days ago. Don't remember them. It's fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> it's totally fine. You don't need to read them. Yeah. Wing uh, it. <laughs> So the first one, I think that we've talked about this in passing on the show, but I haven't really delved deeply into the psychology of it. Um, Someone was posting about like trying to understand why so many people, especially men, are so into the idea of coming on someone's face or like of seeing come on someone's face. And like this is so popular, like facials, huge porn category. Um, it's something that I've had multiple partners express to me that they were into and and wanted to do. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I have my own thoughts on why people are into this, but what do you think? What's your take? I mean, like anything, people can be into it for lots of different reasons, right? I think, I, I mean, a come on people in general is hot, right? People's (laughs) face is very much their themness you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it is i don't know the part of our body we associate most with our identity so i think mm-hmm. there is just an element of or for some people can be an element of i like this person i would like to come on them and then their face is a great place for that right mm-hmm. um i think there is also like Certainly, I don't think we can discount the fact that, like, the fact that it is a large porn category is part of why it is so popular, um, Mm -hmm. because it is a thing that films very well on porn, right? Um, Right. It's a lot in porn, on porn, I don't know, man. Um, But, like, (laughs) a porn performer's brand is often their face, or at least that's part of their brand, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So it is just, like good for filming, good for marketing. It is an easy come shot to get, right? So like there are a lot of reasons to film it, which, and we know that what is popular in porn tends to become trendy in the ways people are talking about sex. Uh, So I'm not going to discount that as also probably a big factor. And there are plenty of people who enjoy it in a way that, like, they find it degrading or just, like, dicky, sticky things all over my face, bleh, (laughs) right? Um, And, like, being able to do that. Um, And there is a, like, power kind of element to that that you can play with and you can make it really degrading and gross or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think those are the main things that come to mind as, like, 
driving forces society-wide. But what were you thinking? Yeah, I think that what I hear most often from people seems to be some version of like, it's like marking your territory, Mm, Uh, which I've heard people say this even who like I would never think would say something like that because I do think that there's something like pretty deep and like almost evolutionary about it in a way. That is so strange to me. (laughs) Why? They're not marked. They're not they're, they're not walking around with the cum on their face. They're probably not like posting pictures unless they're like me. They're probably not posting the vast majority of people getting cum on their faces are not posting it online. So like I don't think that they mean it in that way though of like other people being able to see that it's their quote unquote property or whatever. I think it's more about just like seeing the evidence of your arousal and your orgasm on the face of somebody who who you want to feel that way about it. And I have heard people describe it as marking their territory, but it's like, as with so many of these like sort of deeper impulses, it can be really hard to like put language on what you're feeling. So I get that it's like imprecise. And I also think that the element you were talking about, about like porn and visuals is really huge because like, even if you're not into exactly like the fantasy of coming on a face specifically and like the possibly like degradation or whatever that's associated with that like I could see how it would be hot just to have visual evidence of like your orgasm on the face of someone you find hot like I I think a lot about how my sexuality would have developed in a totally different way if I had a body that like produced a particular fluid upon orgasming, like, because you're making that like Pavlovian association thousands of times in your life Mm -hmm. between that fluid and what that looks like and feels like, and like the feeling of orgasm. And so like, of course you would find that hot. Um, And so like, because my body doesn't do that, I guess, like I don't, like, I find it hot insofar as partners find it hot, and, like, I'm happy to do it if partners want to do it as long as they don't get any in my eye. Um, uh-huh. But I don't think I am able to access the feeling of, like, inherently being into it. I just yeah. kind of have to believe people when they say that it's hot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, like, not that kind of come, but I do, pro- like, for most of my sexual career, have produced fluid when I come. And, like... It's the grossest way to say that, but whatever, I'm running with it. Um, <clears throat> so, like, didn't even realize till it came out of my mouth, but it's okay. Um, but I can, like, I guess I can get that. What comes to mind for me when you talked about the marking your territory thing is that, like, it is a sign of intimacy and permission to be allowed to do mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. a sign of, like, either your status in their life or their connection to you or how turned on to you they are turned on by you they are or like whatever power to exchange thing you're playing with or whatever like it can getting permission to do that i don't know in the same way a slap in the face feels very different from a slap on the ass like Mm -hmm. your face very much core to your personhood so like i could see it being a sign of like intimacy or connection or whatever you want to call that to be like allowed to do that yeah and to that point like similarly i've heard people say that part of why it's hot for them is it makes them feel very accepted which again is like 
trying to clumsily put a word label on what is more of a feeling. But mm -hmm. um, they're saying, you know, like, this is my orgasm and this person is accepting it, not only to the point of like being willing to facilitate it, but to have it literally on their face, which I can mm -hmm. kind of get. Like, I've sort of had that feeling when someone goes down on me and I come and then they come up and there's like my cum all over their face. Like I can, I can get that because it's like that clearly communicates that they are not like afraid of my genitals or turned off by them. Like they are all the way in there. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I've always been fairly neutral to most fluids in general. Like I... <sighs> The uh, the strongest feelings I have about cum are, like, coming in people, and that's mm -hmm. more a taboo kink thing than it is a, mm. like, fluid thing. So I think that's also why it doesn't super resonate for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, when I am fantasizing or watching porn or what have you, like, I have a strong preference for coming, seeing people come inside of things, whether it be mm -hmm. mouths or various other holes. Um, and it's tough because when you were watching porn, like, as you were saying, it's not always as visually interesting or apparent if that mm -hmm. is happening. And I tend to rely on sound cues in order to know if that's even happening. Or sometimes yeah. like the person will pull out afterward and the cum will drip out. But right. um, yeah, I'm just personally way more into the idea of like coming inside something. I always find it to be kind of a letdown when I'm watching a blowjob clip and it ends in a facial because mm -hmm. it's not what I was looking for. And then I have to go find another porn clip. But I get yeah. that a lot of people like it. I think also, frankly, like you were talking about folks who have a history of like coming in a way that makes a mess. And like that is my association with it is the thing. Like I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that's just the most inconvenient kind of <laughs> orgasm. And like a fake, why? I could just swallow it and then it's gone is the right. thing. Or you can just like, I'm just like, yeah, I, if it's hot to you, great, but washing my sink is tiny and washing my I'm just going to get in the shower at that point, especially if it's in my hair and like, you yeah. know, it's just like, just, uh, fluids are so much work. Yeah, I kind of have to have planned my evening around it or at least be doing it at the end of an evening or when I am going to have time to shower. Like it's not the kind of thing I'm going to want to do if I have another thing to go to afterward in case it gets in my hair or in my eye and my, my eye is red for hours. Like it's kind of a high maintenance activity. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is kind of just a semantics question. Do you think that the term fingering includes external stuff, like clit, touching, that kind of stuff? I got into, like, kind of a heated exchange with someone about this. <laughs> yeah, like, so simultaneously, viscerally, yes and no. Um, <laughs> I, I would not use it that way. Um, but, like, also because of the way my bits are set up you jerk off my dick or finger my cunt like that's so mm. like and that, that is sense. true of most of the people i play with right um but also what the fuck else else are you gonna call it if that's <laughs> if they don't talk about jerking off like right, right for lack of other terms yeah and it is also like 
fingering is the most widely used word we have for hand sex on vulvas and mm-hmm. playing with someone's clit is the most widely likely way to get someone off. Yeah. So like I'm not all that interested in removing that from the definition. You know? I totally agree and that's where I'm coming from on my position on this as well is like I think the fact that it is sometimes understood to only mean internal stuff is indicative of a culture where clit stuff is deprioritized. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think that the more that we can use it to mean internal and external stuff, the more we can maybe shift that in this one small way. Mm-hmm. And I'm well, very invested in like clitoral politics. Like that's like an important thing for me. Which, so here's my question. Do you think that the easier, like this is this is a marketing like <laughs> thought campaign kind of question i don't know how you how you sell an idea but is the easier sales pitch redefining fingering and expanding the definition and talking about that or coming up for a name for uh, literally all of the awful metaphors in the world um but playing with (laughs) someone's clit i think i like fingering better because it just says what it is Mm -hmm. and as much as I like terms like blowjob and handjob just because they're kind of iconic and funny, um, mm-hmm. I think that it's ultimately more effective both for like sort of sex education and awareness reasons and also just like clarity uh, when you're asking mm-hmm. for what you want if the th- if the word <laughs> just says what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't – I can't think of like a word or a term – that I would find hot. Like, I do think there's a case to be made that you could say, like, jerking off someone Mm -hmm. with a vulva, even someone who's not, like, transmasculine or doesn't have, like, T growth. Because, Mm -hmm. like, I do say jerking off in the sense of, like, masturbating. Yeah. But I very rarely have people describe doing stuff to me as jerking me off. Like, my partner will only use that language if they are doing that sort of, like, clit jerk-off motion Right. Which is fine. But like, I wonder if that term could be embraced or if that would give people a lot of like weird, bad gender feelings, you know? Yeah. I've just got all of the like really cheesy euphemisms for jerking off (laughs) that uh, (laughs) folks with vulvas and mostly women get um, that are all like really good visual examples but none of them are sexy like flicking the bean and like downstairs <laughs> dj type stuff like like yeah yeah not sexy but very clear imagery is the thing i worry about flicking the bean like i really do because i mm. worry that people think literally flick it cuz you know you hear these stories about people giving a blowjob for the first time and they think it means actually blowing or right. that kind of thing and uh even like people who think sucking dick means like a a different type of sucking than it actually you know what i mean like the Mm -hmm, type of sucking mm -hmm. where like you're actually creating intense suction to like pull blood in which is like Uh some people like that but it's not the generally thought of i think like technique for that right so i worry about terms that sound like they imply a particular motion that like actually you don't really want down there unless you're into like genital torture (laughs) yeah no fair that's fair 
I get the, I, I get the like flicking back and forth kind of thing is mm. the th- which like I'm like I, I get where the flick comes from but I also get what it uh what else it implies just less than stellar right right yeah anyway my thesis is I think clits are important that's mm-hmm. basically the mm-hmm. point yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> breaking news from Kate Sloan <laughs> There was a really interesting thread on our sex the other day that was about uh, there's a cis man who was complaining that basically all of his mental energy during PIV is spent on trying not to come mm-hmm. because like his partner wants him to continue so she can get off or whatever. And he feels a little bit uh, ripped off by that, like that that has to be his experience of it and that he can't focus on the pleasure of it because Mm -hmm. he has to stop himself from coming. And I think that this is probably a pretty common experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I actually saw a similar thread recently posted by a cis woman who was talking about this. And she was like, if I picture like fucking something with my clit, and needing to not come, and it was something that felt as good as a vagina, like, I don't think I could do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some, like, mechanical workarounds here. I think, like, jerking off earlier in the day is sometimes helpful, or, like, the stop-start technique, improving your stamina with, like, stamina training. But, like, the fundamental problem of, like, needing to focus on not coming and therefore like deprioritizing your own pleasure just like really sucks i don't know Mm -hmm. do you have thoughts on this yeah i mean and it's absolutely it's a thing i've experienced as well where like i have spent a lot of time focusing on not getting off not because i have to stay hard and keep fucking someone but just because like for a while there i was so sensitive that like i would get off early and be like no, I, 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 I would still like to be having sex is the thing, but now I'm tired and kind of bored. Oh, right, because no. it's you not know? only the increased sensitivity, but sometimes you get that sort of neurochemical flood of prolactin or whatever that makes you feel like, oh, I don't really feel sexual anymore, and that's not right. ideal. Right, exactly. So I would – I think you have a couple different options here in terms of like – Trouble, troubleshooting, I guess. Most of my suggestions are eroticize it, but in the different ways. Or, or more, bring it into your sexual practice or, like, part of your sexual practice, right? Um, whether that is jerking off solo earlier in the day or, like, learning to be a multiply orgasmic person, right? If you're mm. a person who, like, rather than prolonging your time to orgasm, just shorten your refractory period and come once with your partner and then go down on them for their for your like 10 minute refractory period mm-hmm. and then like the orgasm you have after that is not going to come particularly quickly right like if you can figure out situations where you have to work for your orgasm right mm-hmm. like cuz that's going to be true whether that is positions that you're in that are like good but not like great or whatever Mm -hmm. um so that you can enjoy what you're doing and focus on what you're doing without feeling like you are being pushed rapidly towards orgasm Mm -hmm. um or whether that is like you know like i said coming earlier on or coming multiple times in a session so that your own responsiveness is a little damped down right um also you can 
eroticize the pro- like the process of rushing towards that first orgasm, right? Mm. Um, if that is like if you like overwhelming things or like tease and denial type stuff, right? Like there is a lot of ways to eroticize the process of building towards an orgasm or ruining orgasms or pushing past or- orgasms. Or we did a whole episode on it, right? Um, right. So I would. See if there are elements of that that you can enjoy playing with so that, I don't know, being hypervigilant and aware of where you are at on your process from like not turned down at all to orgasm is not a detriment, mm-hmm. um, but is fun in a different and interesting way. Um, you can also deprioritize your erection and remove orgasm as a goal of your sex entirely and talk about hand sex and use a strap-on and do oral stuff and like play with different pacings of you know sex and all of those things um Mm -hmm. that sounds like it's probably an entire restructuring of this person's sex life uh and possibly more of a leap than the other one who knows uh, Mm -hmm. whether you have kinky tendencies or queer tendencies and which one of those feels like an easier route to take uh but (laughs) i think those are probably the two big like word clouds of solutions that are floating around in my head yeah the strap-on thing i just find it so perplexing and sad that there's not a wider like cultural embracing of people with penises using Mm strap-ons because I think that it's just like a whole other world that opens up for you when you start doing that. And Mm -hmm. so often when I read these threads where people are complaining about this, it's usually cishet couples. And if people jump in and are like, why don't you use your hands? Why don't you use toys? Sometimes the dude will come back and be like, well, she really likes PIV. She really likes when I fuck her. She likes the closeness Mm -hmm. of it. She likes feeling me inside her. It's hot for her, which I get, like definitely get that for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that the strap-on sex experience, while obviously not quite the same thing, is pretty damn close in a lot of ways, like yeah. positionally and like intimacy-wise and all of that. And the partners who I have tried that with who have penises have all expressed to me like how actually cool it was to be able to have essentially what feels like PIV in many ways, like visually and in terms of your hip movement and stuff like that, but to mm-hmm. not have to worry about that element of it, um, mm-hmm. or at least not as much. Like my partner has come from fucking me with a strap on, which is awesome, but um, it's not as common for sure. And right. I think it's worth considering, and I think that if you get, like, a realistic dildo, it could be great for that. I just think that there's a lot of, like, ego and insecurity and, like, fear of the unknown that comes into play for, like, Mm -hmm. both people in this scenario. Uh, But that would be my number one recommendation, honestly. Um, And then another thing is just, like, I feel like so often with this type of situation, especially with cishets, like communicating with your partner is not seen as a viable way of solving the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's just not good. Like if I was dating someone who was having this issue and they sat down with me and they were like, hey, like I'm having this problem where like during sex lately, all I can think about is like not coming and it's really taking me out of the moment and like limiting my pleasure. I would be so mm-hmm. down to like troubleshoot that. I would be like, that sucks. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that that's your your experience and let's figure out ways you know that we can address that i know that not everybody 
would be willing to <laughs> go that in depth on it and like hear someone out in that situation. And there are definitely people who would be shitty about it and be like, well, sounds like a you problem, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really think that a certain amount of like honesty and disclosure with your partner can be really helpful in issues like this, because like a lot of times the thing that you think they wouldn't like as a solution, they might be open to. You just got to talk yeah. to them about it. Yeah. Also, it feels like an oversight to not at least mention dick pills in this conversation mm, mm-hmm. because like that that that's part of what they're for first of all um is like they not only help you get hard but that it's my understanding for a lot of people do help with some degree of orgasm control or at least getting hard again later on hmm. um and also all of the professionals that you are comparing your dick slinging skills against in porn are on dick pills when they're filming. Like, not 100% sure, but (laughs) like large majorities of the people with penises that I shoot with um, do also like regularly have help from pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. there are I mean, I'm not a fucking doctor and even I have heard people who have had issues with using too many of them like there there are, it, it is not for every single time you have sex probably right um but no, that is a, a tool in your tool belt worth thinking about I'd try all the others first but you know and again worth fucking noting that the people that you're comparing yourself against are using them yeah absolutely very important uh also a note we have touched on this before but like a lot of times the solutions recommended to people for this kind of thing are like numbing products like whether they be condoms with numbing lube or just like putting a numbing lube on there and like if you're down for that and if truly your partner's experience of your boner is more important to you than your experience of your boner (laughs) like that is a viable option i've definitely used those with my partner before for both kinky and non-kinky reasons predominantly kinky ones but Mm -hmm. um in general, that's not what I would advocate for, and that's definitely not what I would recommend this person do since his situation was he was really wanting to be able to enjoy himself more. Yeah. And I think it's kind of sad that that is one of the main options presented to people in this situation. I think it really speaks to the way that the amount of pressure we put on PIV and on boners just, like, harms everybody. Yeah. And cock rings. Cock True. rings would also cock be a rings. good solution here, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was just writing a thing about cock rings, and there's mixed evidence as to whether they actually help with prolonging time until orgasm, but Mm -hmm. it seems to me, based on the research I've done, that cock rings that have a mechanism of, like, pulling your balls downward uh, Mm -hmm. work better for this because your balls do contract upward when you're getting close to orgasm, and so some downward motion can help prevent that for a little longer. Yeah, and then by extension, things like ball stretchers similarly. Right. If you want to, like, add the length to that. Yep. There was a debate on our sex the other day about people being super dressed up versus dressed down, uh, and there was some interesting conflicting opinions from people. Uh, there, Especially there was some women who were going, I don't really get it. Why is my boyfriend way more into me when I'm like in sweatpants, haven't showered in a day, just hanging out at home versus like when I take the time to do like the nice dress, nice makeup, nice hair when we go out. Mm. And um, 
And similarly, there were some men saying like, yeah, I've noticed like some of my partners have been like super into me and like the nice suit and everything. And some have been just really into like the gray sweatpants hanging out at home. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? I think, at least in my experience, um, often what is hottest is the novelty. Mm. Uh, So based on the person doing the viewing and the person being viewed, right? Like, are they more likely to be always dressed up or always dressed down? Are they more likely to be in environments surrounded by people who are typically dressed up versus typically dressed down? Mm -hmm. And then seeing someone outside of that element can look really hot, right? Um, If someone is like, particularly dressed out either in their sweatpants and like cozy clothes or like in like work clothes or dirty and things like that right if they are someone who you are used to seeing very like clean cut it can be like oh like, it can either feel like vulnerability or like yeah i'm a fucking pervert i like seeing people be, be made a mess of that's uh, breaking <laughs> I, I love broken pretty things um so that's fun um but other way around right you have every fucking rom-com trope of the like oh you clean up nice kind of thing Mm -hmm. and you get the person who is typically either the nerd or the like jock or whatever who gets put in the you know pretty suit and dress or whatever for prom and you know that whole thing um and again the novelty in seeing someone looking good in a way that you're not used to seeing them right Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times it's the surprise. For me also, like, I think I'm generally more into the dressed up side of the spectrum, like in both Mm -hmm. non-sexual and sexual ways. Like, I just find it flattering when someone puts a lot of effort into looking good for me on a date. Mm -hmm. And also just have an appreciation for people's personal style as someone who like cares about my own style. And mm-hmm. I also appreciate having partners who can appreciate my style as well and, and see like that it is nice when I put an effort in to look good for them. But yeah, I think it really has a lot to do with, as you said, like how are you used to seeing this person? Like I was dating this lawyer for a while who usually would dress up very nice for our dates in part because I think he was often like coming straight from work so he would look very nice and put together and handsome and uh sometimes when we were hooking up or like after we hooked up I would see him in just like his like tank top and sweatpants and I'd be like oh (laughs) looking good I don't know there's something just like really hot about that that probably wouldn't be as hot if it was someone who dressed like that all the time Mm mm-hmm Especially in that, because it feels like you have, like, peeled away this, like, fancy exterior and gotten to this point where you're able to see this person in this other context. Yeah, it's intimate. It's hot. Yeah. Uh, But I also think, I mean, another (laughs) situation in which communication is useful, because if you're wondering about this, like these people in this thread were, you can always be like, well, which do you prefer and why? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. curious to know why you think that. Um as long as someone isn't being shitty about (laughs) the opposite end of the spectrum from what they enjoy most, then like, I think that that can be useful information. Yeah. Cause I think I, I almost certainly tend to favor the dressed down, but like, which is, I think what makes fancy seem special and sparkly when on occasion it does happen. Right. Cause like, I'm like, no, I don't, I'm, 
rarely into folks who are always fancy, mm-hmm. which is why I'm like, oh, it's a novelty. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm also not that guy. I'll also say anecdotally, and I've never really been able to make sense of this, but I have noticed I get more like cat calls and compliments on the street mm-hmm. when I'm dressed down and when I would think nobody would want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I have wondered in the past whether it had anything to do with pheromones, because those are typically the times when maybe I haven't showered in a day or two. Yeah. Uh, if I'm just like in my sweats going out to grab something from the grocery store or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's, I really don't know, because like, I think sometimes when people dress up, they may not look super confident because they may not be used to it. And so sometimes that may contribute to people responding more to when they're dressed down, when they might seem more confident and comfortable. But Mm. I am a person who like does like to dress up like fairly often. And so like, I don't feel particularly like uncomfortable or weird when I'm dressed up. So I don't really think that that's an element of it. Like, and when I'm wearing a nice dress and got my makeup done and everything, like I do get people commenting and complimenting, but it's usually Mm -hmm. of the variety where like, it seems like an older straight lady or something just like appreciating the look versus someone who like clearly has some level of desire for me, which tends to come out when it's the sweatpants. Right. I mean, that makes sense to me, just like folks who catcall people on the street don't seem like they're overbrimming with confidence, and <laughs> someone who is like put together and looks good and is hot and like wearing an outfit that they clearly put on because they think they look hot in that outfit <laughs> is a much more intimidating person to shout something at Mm. than someone who you're like, she might not even know how pretty she is. You know what? I should tell her. Mm -hmm. And it'll go great for me. She's going to love me for telling her that. Right? That's so real. Yeah. It's like the way that sometimes if I wear no makeup or whatever, people would be like, oh, you're so brave and like so pretty that you can like get by without wearing makeup. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm literally just tired today. I didn't have time to do it. Right, Um, but, like, I can totally see a version of a brain that sees a, like, hot, well-put-together person on their way out for a date walk by, and their brain goes, oh, she's hot, and she knows, she knows she's hot, I don't know, whatever, and the next person goes, she's hot, I don't know if she, I should tell her she made my dick hard, you know? Right. That would be news to her, and it would make her feel good. Yeah. Like... That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's also just occurring to me in this moment that in dress down mode, I'm less likely to be wearing a bra. So Mm. maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe people are seeing the natural boobs and being like, I need to yell lewd things at that woman. (laughs) (laughs) There was a post from a lesbian which in this case uh, meant a woman who has only had sex with women before, and she was suddenly feeling attracted to men and just basically was looking for advice, like, (laughs) men 101, like, (laughs) what do I need to know that's going to be different? And it's tough to answer this type of question without being gender essentialist, but, like, I don't know. What would your advice be? (sighs) I mean, okay, well... (sighs) Are we talking about dating straight men? Are we talking about hooking up with straight men? Are we talking about fucking people with dicks? I think she just wanted to fuck ostensibly cis men. That was what I was getting from the post. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I... 
And also my follow-up question is like, do you have a cis man in mind? Because <laughs> the process of acquiring a cis man is, is, is a very separate process from fucking a cis man. Right. Um, they don't make it easy. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> they, yeah, they actually don't. That's such a good point because like, I feel like there's this perception that it's much easier to find a man to fuck than it is to find a woman, which is probably true for a bunch of different reasons. But it's not super easy, like, especially if you have any kind of standards. Like, yeah, if I hopped on Tinder and was like, I want a man, any man to come over and fuck me, I could have someone there in, you know, half an hour. But are they going to you know, respect my boundaries? Are they going to be into the same things I'm into? Are they going to be attractive to me? Uh, are they going to make me feel safe and comfortable? Like, th these are pretty baseline things that are actually kind of hard to find. And for me, the hardest thing actually about trying to find men to date or hook up with is conversations. Like, right, so right. many of them cannot sustain a conversation in a way that is at all interesting to me. And I'm just like, I, I want to have a reason to want to blow you so bad and you're making it so hard for me. <laughs> that, that is truly the thing. Like you were listing all of these things, like are they going to do this? Are they going to be like respectful? Are they going to – and I just in the back of my head, I'm like, are they going to fucking talk long enough to you for you to find out if they are or not? No, are they going to say enough words for you to glean literally anything about them? And, and, and like it's not it, – like – it's not like I'm 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 ranting at some failing of cis men's biology or something. Like we have a society that does not teach them how to talk to each other. That's why there is like vanishingly few male friendships, both in our media and in the world. Like there is, oh, there is like a fucking yeah. crisis of loneliness in cis men because we in, in give them no fucking social skills. Yeah, through childhood and teenage years and yeah. then expect them to get married and have a woman who does the rest of it for them right um and like shepherds them through their social situations like that's the arc we have yeah um, so like it's bullshit for everyone involved <laughs> yeah but like so if the question is how are you gonna get a cis man to fuck i that's a fucking uh, fucking episode and a half i don't know um <laughs> Quick thing, like, I would say be clear and upfront. Like, you need to be super willing to just say what you fucking want and, and need and ask for things and, mm -hmm. like, be clear about stuff. Because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the number of times I've been like, are you missing subtext or are you a dick? I truly, I don't, I wish I knew. Um, and, like, I save myself so much time by just being like, this is what I need. How do you feel about that these days? Right. Because yeah. um, there are plenty of cis men in my life who are like, oh, great, I'll, I'll do that. As soon yeah. as you fucking. I do yeah. think that a lot of the, to the extent that we can say that there are gendered socialization, which is like, you know, up for debate, I think. But I do right. think, in my experience, a lot of men do appreciate a more direct style of communication and uh, may not really respond at all to indirect communication. So I totally agree with you there. Like, I'm much more likely on a date with a man to say something like, so I'm thinking that I really want to take you back to my place and like make out with you and fuck you. Like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Whereas yeah. with a woman, I'd probably soften it a little bit. Depends on the woman very much. But, you know. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Or you could at least get away with like, I like want to come back to my place with like a flirty thing. And they'd be like, right. oh, and you wouldn't spend the whole walk back being like, 
they know we want to fuck, right? They know <laughs> that's what we're. That's why we're going to the bed place, right? Yeah. I, should I have women, made that clearer? <laughs> women are very trained, I think, to pick up on subtext in so many different ways and to like try to decode mixed signals and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a lot of women are reasonably like scared of a more direct approach because mm-hmm. more of us have had experiences of being sexually victimized or harassed, and so. Mm-hmm. I think that there's like a comfort thing, but also like a communication style thing that can be different. Right. And I'm not even necessarily like, yes, I'm talking about the fucking parts, but also just directness around like what you need in relationship with this person, whatever degree of that relationship is, Mm -hmm. you know? I also think a lot about a study, I think, that you quoted or something on an episode we did once uh, talking about how conversational patterns in like straight dynamics tend to be uh women tend to suggest repeated conversation topics until something clicks and then the men tend to run with it mm-hmm. forget what you were reading but like where mm-hmm. it is it was i think studying something around perceptions of women talking more or mm-hmm. something so probably the work of Dale Spender who's done a lot of work on that that sounds right okay i trust you um, <laughs> if anyone yeah, wants it, to go look some- up the citation <laughs> it, it was something that stuck with me about just that like men are very used to just like being present for a conversation until the interesting thing hits and then they run with it <laughs> but like are not used to propositioning the ideas or making the conversation like actually mm. working to make the conversation continue Yeah. When a woman does that, I view that as lack of interest. Right. And that seems to be less true with cis men. Yeah. My friends who are cis men, I've sometimes had a problem with them in conversation where – I'm thinking of one friend in particular who you know, um, who like at a certain point I had to be like, so I always ask you like, what's going on with you? I always ask you a lot of follow-up questions. You never ask me what's going on with me. So I never get to talk about it. And he was like, oh, I just always assume that you have something you want to tell me. You'll bring it up. Which I think is one of these sort of like ask versus guest culture things that can be different along gender lines, like very broadly mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's another case of like men appreciate directness a lot of the time, um, which is not to say that no women do. There's just a lot of asterisks right. on this, everything I'm saying in this answer. Um, but another thing that came to mind for me, I think that the biggest difference or one of the biggest differences I've noticed when having sex in sort of a straight paradigm, as in like with a straight cis man versus mm-hmm. in any kind of queer paradigm is the idea of tops and bottoms. Mm-hmm. Because I think in queer land, we are just so much more used to like actually explicitly negotiating. Like, are you more of a top or a bottom in the sense of, are you someone who prefers to like give sensations mostly or like be more dominant Or are you someone who prefers to like mostly receive or be more submissive, which are, you know, two different things with some overlap. Um, Mm -hmm. And in straight dating culture, there is much more of an assumption that men will be the top and women will be the bottom. And if you want something that deviates from that, you do have to not only advocate for it, but maybe like look specifically for people who are also looking for that. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't assume that a man is going to be down to bottom as easily, uh, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not only because 
they might not be into it, but I think more pressingly, they might have more shit to work through if they are into it and they might Mm -hmm. not necessarily be ready to do that. Um, So if this is a lesbian who is more on the toppy side, who wants to like boss men around and stuff, which sounds hot now that I'm saying it, um, (laughs) I think she would probably- There's so many men that would be down for that. They, there really, really are. But I think that you would need to be much more clear and upfront because there are just so many men who either like are naturally dominant and don't really think about it that way because it's so culturally normalized or like- feel like they have to be dominant and feel sort of like threatened and unsettled when that changes mm-hmm. or is challenged. And so I think if you're looking for men who are going to be down for that kind of thing, like you have to be pretty upfront about that. I think frankly, regardless of whether this person is interested in topping or bottoming, they're going to have a lot more luck with bi men mm-hmm. than straight mm-hmm. men. Um, There's so many situations in which I'm like, have you considered bi men? (laughs) Right, right. Like, both in terms of just already having a kind of queer language around sex, Mm -hmm. right, and a comfortability in talking about that, and also in terms of, like... I, I don't know. I don't actually know what the second one is, but bi men are hot, so I'm just gonna like leave it with that. Um, <laughs> well, I think I did like there's another with bi men. There's often like, just like more of a malleability of like what yeah. role they're gonna play. I find, um, mm. and also they're less likely to fetishize you for your queerness. That's where right. I was going with that too. Right, like a lesbian dating trying to fuck straight men. That's certainly something she's gonna bump up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I worry, too, about straight men, like, not understanding lesbianism, like, because it's just Uh such a common fantasy that, like, you know, I've heard from a lot of my lesbian friends that when when they're out with their girlfriend that, like, men will try to hit on them and stuff Mm -hmm. as if they're going to be, like, invited to a threesome, and there is this, like, prevailing idea that, like, among some people at least that lesbianism is like malleable and like not fixed and that if you're a charming enough or hot enough man or you have like a good enough dick or whatever that you can like talk your way into people's bedrooms or whatever and I think bi folks will have much more of an understanding if you're like hey like I've always been lesbian identified but this is like something I'm trying I'm not sure how I'll feel about it etc yeah for sure honestly well I mean, also, like, trans men are an option. Um, You are going to get mixed responses from trans men. Uh, Like, I absolutely know trans men who love fucking lesbians and who, like, even identify as lesbians still and are very into that. I know trans men who are like, I like women i like hot women and if a hot woman wants to fuck me uh i don't really care how she reconciles that with her own identity and that says Mm. nothing about my identity i'm gonna fuck the hot woman who wants to fuck me like and i fully respect that Mm -hmm. i skew more gay like the the pool of women that i'm into is already relatively small Mm -hmm. and i tend to skew the other way where like 
when people who identify as lesbians hit on me, I tend to feel more like either I'm being misgendered Mm. or I'm being viewed as like men light or safe man TM uh, that is approachable or like man with my preferred bits of genitals, which like all of those are considerably less interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So like your mileage may vary there, Um, but obviously a lot of trans men are going to be like, very queer and very down to have these conversations with you. Um, Also related to all of this, um, I think if you are sucking, fucking, sucking and fucking (laughs) straight men, um, or folks who primarily have fucked women in their lives, uh, they are probably just baseline more used to a script in sex like you were talking about the top bottom thing Mm -hmm. but they may also just have a formula in there like they can run through sex without talking about it with the basic (laughs) like first base second base foreplay like it's not gonna be very interesting sex (laughs) but like there is a script that is out there that can be followed for them Mm -hmm. um so you may encounter more people who are who, like, need you to even just initiate the, like, so what do you like doing in bed conversation? Like, they may just be less practiced in that overall outside of just, like, the top-bottom thing you were talking about. Right, right. And if you know that this is something you don't want to pursue romantically but only sexually, that might be a nice thing to mention up front as well, just so Mm -hmm. people don't get their feelings hurt. I mean, you know, feelings hurt is still a possibility regardless. You never know what's going to happen, but I think it's nicer to be upfront about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we have time for one more. I was really delighted by this one and very curious about your thoughts. Uh, This person was wondering, does jerking off to Lola Bunny from Space Jam make me a furry? And I've heard similar panics about characters such as Disney's Robin Hood or... You know, anytime there's like that was a, a personal hot... one, wasn't it? That was that was a personal <laughs> call out. You know what's wild is like I actually didn't grow up with that one. Um, mm-hmm. I only saw it for the first time within the past year or so because my spouse was interviewing someone for their podcast who picked Robin mm. Hood as their like crush that they wanted to talk about. And so, but I but I had heard a lot of people saying that this was like a you know. Uh, pinnacle mm-hmm. like formative crush for them and so I was watching it through that lens and I was like yeah I get it like he's like a hot guy yeah. who's also a fox like a he's foxy fox guy yeah. yeah Um, but I think that there's understandably some confusion for people particularly since like furries are kind of the punchline of a lot of cultural jokes which I don't think is really like y'all know we're not into sexual shaming like I don't think that that's called for but it is a reason why people get a little freaked out about the idea that they might be a furry uh but what do you think about this I I think labels are designed to be self-applied I think this falls in the same realm of like does pegging or butt sex or sucking dick make you gay? I don't, I don't know. Do you feel gay? Like, I, <laughs> right? Like how, how big a part of your sex life and outside of sex life life is this? Mm-hmm. How big of it do you want it to be? How core does it feel to any part of your sexuality? Right? Like I, Furry culture is a culture, like, and a community in the ways that, like, a lot of things are. And there is sexuality can be part of that, but isn't necessarily. And it is often, like, 
very based in creating your own, like, persona that you're moving ahead. I, I sound like I'm doing, like, a 2020 documentary on <laughs> how furries work. Um, but, like, right, like, there there is so much more to furry culture and the ways people come to this and the things people enjoy about it and the the role that it plays in their lives, whether that is a huge or a tiny role, beyond just I, I jerked off to a kind of human-looking animal cartoon once, right? Yep. Like, you, you can take that and run with it and, like, make it more a part of who you are and your identity, but, like, no, just because you found something hot once doesn't mean you are now an entirely different kind of human being. Although, I would encourage you... Like, if you're like, oh, God, does this make me a horrible thing like a furry? <laughs> Maybe take that moment to, to notice the, and have empathy and notice that, ah, I see how furries might enjoy a thing like this. Look at mm-hmm. me appreciating a corner of the things that you love. Anyway, carry on. Farewell. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's sort of like a CBT type skill that I use sometimes when I find myself judging myself for certain things where I go, well, what would be so bad about that? You go mm-hmm. like... I think I might be a furry and you go what would be so bad about that and you go well uh, like people make fun of them and you go well what would be so bad about that like <laughs> you just find people who share your sexuality um, I, but- sorry you're you're <laughs> calling it a CBT technique and my brain is playing the Lady Gaga video where she's where they ask her like from forever ago where they ask her if she has a dick and she was oh, like yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure her reply is, well, what would be so bad about that? Like, Because right. like, she, like, refuses to answer it. So anyway. That's an that, iconic clip, yeah. I am now imagining Lady Gaga <laughs> doing the CBT voice in your head every time you're examining something, just being like, well, what would be so bad about that? I should just isolate that. <laughs> about her imaginary yeah. dick. Anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I think, like you were saying, like, I think this is one data point. Like, if you've been attracted to a humanoid animal cartoon character, that's one data point. It doesn't make up mm-hmm. a complete sexuality. And I would look more generally at other things and people who you're attracted to. Like, this is making me think about when I was a kid, like, one of my first childhood crushes was the character Danny from the movie Cats Don't Dance, which is mm-hmm. this great cartoon movie about cats trying to break into the entertainment business and naturally when I think about that when I think like what is it about Danny that I find attractive it's not the fact that he's a cat like uh it's not anything to do with his catness it all Mm -hmm. catness is the name of a character in the Hunger Games (laughs) that's not what I meant um and and that's not to say that there would any there would be anything bad about that if I was attracted to that but I do know that what draws me to Danny is actually like his personality. And if that personality was in a human man instead, I would be as into or more into that person. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can think about kind of your motivations. What is it that draws you to this character? Whatever. I also would invite you to consider that a lot of times these iconic animal-ish characters who are fetishized commonly are intentionally made to look more humanoid and are intentionally made to look kind of sexy and uh they're not trying to convert you to the furry agenda necessarily but like they are doing that on purpose to a certain extent and so i don't think you need to feel like guilty about responding in the way that they're trying to make you respond 
Yeah, the thing I'm thinking is, frankly, like, A, when we are child into early teens, what proportion of media we're looking at is animals and not humans, right. frankly. <laughs> and second of all, like, if we take some of these, like, sexy cat, I actually don't know a ton about Lola Bunny, um, but, like... Me neither. <laughs> a lot of these more sexy archetypes and the things I've seen about them and put them in cartoons of women or what would actually probably be like teenage girls to appeal to the medium because we're we're doing shows about kids for kids right Right. you can't have that character that character is a very different vibe when it's not a silly little bunny because this is a show for 12 year olds Mm -hmm. right so like if they want to create that archetype of like the like flirty dream girl because yeah even when i was 12 i had the dream girl in school that i was into that Mm -hmm. i thought was hot because i was 12 right Mm -hmm. they can put that character in a bunny and you're not weird for seeing them being like this is the hot girl and going wow it's a hot girl except it's got bunny ears like (laughs) that all kind of tracks yeah 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 um yeah, I think that some of people's reticence around this type of thing is its associations with like bestiality. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I find bestiality to be uh, unethical on a consent basis. I don't think animals right. can really consent to that. But uh, Melina Williams Haas actually once raised a point, I forget where she wrote about this, that mm-hmm. um, if you eat meat, but think bestiality is morally wrong that's ideologically inconsistent because the animals don't consent to be killed and i was like well checkmate melina like yeah (laughs) that that really checks out like that is a very arbitrary line that i've drawn and i recognize that um Mm -hmm. but i would also say what furries are doing is not bestiality those are humans they have the ability to consent in the way that humans do and uh so i think that having a moral panic about it on that basis is just not relevant at all like it's an animal it's a it's a human in a costume that's just a very different thing from an animal right and there's also i I think there is also people have complicated feelings because of how much we associate humanoid animal cartoons with kids Mm -hmm. um, or even (laughs) fursuit type characters with like Disney World or mascots and things, right? Mm -hmm. Which are all fairly wholesome like (laughs) activities. And like to, to be super clear, the entire furry community is not about fucking. Like there's just... People who like fursuits. There are sections of the furry community that are really anti-sex because of all of this stigma that exists, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot um, of ace people in the furry community. It's definitely yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to make that super clear because it it feels like this reduction of like getting off on this one thing and all of this stigma because they think it's gross and related to bestiality or whatever. And it's like there is so much more going on over there. There is so much like depth to all of that that is just not, I don't know. Didn't expect to end this episode by like singing the praises of furries, but I guess I am. I... 
Yeah, I think it reminds me of the ASMR community. Like, there's a big contingent Mm -hmm. in the ASMR-loving community that's, like, really pushing back against the idea that it is sexual or or could be sexualized because Mm -hmm. of the sort of media depictions of it. I get that. I would probably be similarly frustrated if I was in that community for non-sexual reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think our thesis here is just, like, it's okay to be into what you're into and... uh, yeah, just just relax about it. Like I think people freak out when they think that a particular attraction means that their entire sexual identity is no longer valid and needs to be reassessed. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just one data point. Like sexual orientations are self-labeled, as you said, and usually when we're deciding on that label, we look at a lot of data points in our lives mm-hmm. and in our history. And you get to make that assessment however feels good for you. And also, like, part of choosing an identity or a label for yourself is the ease of communicating that with the people around you. How many people do you need to tell that you have jerked off to Lola Bunny? (laughs) And, like, is – because when you say you're a furry, you're going to imply a lot more other things, by the way, too. So, like, if Mm – if the answer is being like, well, yeah, no, I would have to say like, I'm a furry. Well, I don't like the fursuits and I'm not really into like, <laughs> I don't actually have a fursona that I really do. And I don't, I've never been to one of the cons or anything. And right. I don't look at the art. At, I, well, I, I came on a picture of Lola Bunny once is what <laughs> happened. I did that. Um, yeah. So I'm a furry now. They sent me my acceptance letter in the mail a week later. I love uh, that you so. said came on. I'm just picturing them <laughs> printing out a JPEG. That was- Full circle back to the facials. <laughs> we did it oh we did it what a journey well thank you to reddit for all these gems lots of actually very interesting stuff in here i have to say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was a fun one yeah and thank you for joining us for this episode of the dildorks i've been kate sloan you can find me online at girlyjuice.net i have two books out one of them is 101 kinky things even you can do the other one is 200 words to help you talk about sexuality and gender i'm also on twitter and instagram at girly underscore juice and i'm on youtube my latest song i'm still doing song a week for some reason (laughs) my latest song was called rainy day it's just a cute happy groovy song about how i like rainy days where is your stuff I'm Billy Lore. You can find all my porn and information about my workshops and everything else I do over at BillyLore.com. I'm at BillyLore on Twitter and BillyLore underscore on Instagram. Together we are the Dildorks. We're at the Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram and at thedildorks.com. You can also go to Patreon.com slash thedildorks to throw some money at us and help us keep doing this thing that we do. For $6 a month, you get access to our exclusive Discord. And for $12 a month, you get our Patreon-only bonus episodes. This week... Uh, on Friday, I believe, we are recording Hypotheticals, which if you're a longtime listener, you know are uh, our annual episodes where we get high and answer a bunch of silly hypothetical questions about sex and dating. So if you'd like to submit hypothetical questions for us, you can email us at thedildorks at gmail.com. Those are usually just like silly and or thought-provoking questions about the topics of our show one that i always think of as a good example is like if you had to eat a sex toy which one would you (laughs) choose and why but it's also stuff like last year i think we did like if you could access a list of all the people who've ever had a crush on you like would you want to see that and why or that kind of thing anything that you would like to hear us talk about while we're extremely blazed (laughs) 
Uh, I want to say thank you to our top tier Patreon supporters, Stabitha Christie, MB, Nat, Amy, Amelia, and Argo. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. Thank you also to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. I'm Billy. You can find all of. Uh, take them. I don't know who I am. Who am I? Do you want to remind people to vote for you in the Pornhub Awards, or is that over? It ended like yesterday, I think. Okay. So I think we're good. Um, thank you, though. I have it in my notes, in all caps, oh, to you. remind you. <laughs> mm-hmm.